Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. We're journeying on through the book of Genesis, and uh, through this book, there is a name that we've repeated because of his his story, and that's the name of Abraham. Abraham has had a story where we just keep coming back to him because he plays such a prolific part in the story of new beginnings. If you remember back in Genesis chapter 12, God tells Abraham, he says, go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house. But then he says this, I'll show you. This land you're going to, I'll show it to you. So God gave him a direction on where to leave, but he didn't give him detailed direction on where he was going. Him leaving his hometown was not accustomed to the reality of that day. If you were leaving your hometown, you were either a stranger who was lost, a fugitive who was on the run, or you were poor. He was none of those things. He was rich. He had family. The only reason why he left his home and his kindred was because God told him to. Well, then the Lord tells him not only will you leave your home, your country, your kindred, but he tells him that he would have a child. At the time, he was 75 years old. And after all those years, he's been waiting on this child of the promise. The Lord told him that great nations would come from him. The Lord sparked in him a dream that he could feel and see, and yet he had gotten to 99 years old, and he didn't see the promise. And if you heard the sermon last week on waiting, Pastor Rasul broke down the reason why we wait and how we should wait. But he got to this point of waiting, and then Genesis 17, the scripture says that God tells Abraham that he's still going to have a child. And I find it so appropriate that in Genesis 17, the scripture says that Abraham fell on his face, laughed, and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who's 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? You know, Abraham had gotten to the place where he couldn't even muster up the energy to be frustrated. He just laughed. Have you ever been there in your life where you're you're so tired that you just laugh at the situation? How could you possibly have a man who is close to 100 years old having a child, and much less a wife who is 90-some years old about to have a child? Abraham laughs. He would eventually call this child Isaac. The name means son of laughter. Both he and his wife laugh at the foolishness of the request for such an old man to have a baby. At this point in the story, Abraham has been asked to leave a place, to go to a place he's never been before. He's been asked to have a child in a way that he has never seen before. And you've got to ask yourself, why is God weaving the story this way? So you have to understand If this was just about getting to the promised land, God could have whisked him to the promised land right when he talked to him. 
If this was just about having a child, God could have given him a child immediately once they got into a relationship. This cannot be about land and children. There's got to be something deeper going on. And since Abraham is considered the father of our faith, then there's something about his life that's going to speak to our lives. There's something about what God did in his life that will speak into our lives. Why say I'm going to have a child that make me wait 30, 40 years? Why tell me you're going to have me go to a land and then I'm on this wandering journey of pain, problems, death, murder? Why make it so difficult when you place it in my heart? Why would you even give me the dream if it would take so long? Why would I have this desire and I don't see it? The intensity of the journey is met with the confusion of the weight. Why? Well, there's something we should keep in mind. And this is true of you too. God was not just trying to take Abraham somewhere. He was trying to make Abraham into someone. Dustin, when you Dustin's your amen court, that's what you know, boy. God was not trying to take Abraham somewhere. He was trying to make Abraham into someone. And the greatest doubt and frustration you're having right now is you're waiting for when am I going to get there? And who you're becoming in the wait is what God is doing. You have a deep problem if you're just waiting to get into heaven. When God is trying to get heaven into you, he wants to change you. He wants to transform you. He is not satisfied with where you are now, and you will get there on this long journey. It will be confusing. It will be long, and there will be moments of great doubt. This answer is important to how you understand God. God is training you to live in the anticipation of his promises and provision, not in the frustration of pain and problems. He's training you. He's trying to get you to see that there are promises and provision always around the corner. And within you, there is always this point of being fatigued in your relationship with God, doubt that you have. And God is going to show us how you grow in this anticipation. So let's look at the life of Abraham, because as we look at the life of Abraham, we'll see our own faith journey, our own faith walk, what God wants to do with us. Amen? Amen. Genesis 22 and 1. So keep in mind, this is all coming after the whole child of the promise, waiting. There's a bunch of other stories in there with Lot and Hagar, a lot, a lot of drama in Abraham's life. So understand that in Genesis 22, 1, it says after these things. It's talking about all of those things. All the pain, all the confusion. After these things, this is what it says, God tested Abraham. Now, what I would want it to say is after these things, God exalted Abraham. Because it's like test, 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 blow up, blow up, platform, shout out. I accept the award. Like I want all the, I want, I want pain, then I want platform. You know what I'm saying? I don't know about your walk with God. 
But here's, here's the thing that I find amazing about Abraham. The scripture says God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Now, what you have to understand that that phrasing, here I am, is not just hello. It is phrased in Hebrew in the way of saying, I stand ready for your command. I stand ready to surrender in anticipation of what you have for me next. Now, you have to understand that there's a good chance that after going through all that with the drama of having a child, after having leaving his home, and he feels like God is testing him again, you could feel him saying Abraham, and Abraham wanting to say, what do you want? (laughs) But instead, he says, here I am. And this morning... We want to get to the place for whatever God is bringing us through and whatever he's testing us with, we want to say, here I am. I anticipate that whatever you're testing me in, there is provision and a promise connected to it. There's something you're going to get me through. There's someone you're going to get me to. There's a clarity you're going to give me. There's growth I'm going to have. I'm going to connect this problem to provision. And so he says, here I am. Genesis 22 and 2, why don't we read this together? Genesis 22 and 2, we'll start at he said on 3. 1, 2, 3. He He said, said, Now, for those of you that are a part of our Wednesday night Bible study, we've been talking about making observations of a text. So if you're a part of that, I want you to see something. Um, God could have said, take your son, and he, said, and he could have went to, to the land of Moriah. But notice how the author communicates in a building kind of way. Take your son. What? Your only son. Well, we know who that is, but he says Isaac. Then he says, whom you love. He is trying to build at this idea that as the only heir, he would have been the epicenter of his affection. As the son of the promise, he would have been how he sees how God works. So not only was this child a status symbol, but it was also the means by which he says, God's in my life because I have him. Your only son. So he goes on to say, Offer him there as a burnt offering. God is building. He's anticipating. This is everything Abraham could have ever wanted. This was his dream. And his dream has been fulfilled. And God is saying, let go of your dream. Genesis 22 and 3. Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, imagine that night. Imagine that night. He goes early in the morning to take his son, but imagine the night. Imagine the wrestling. Imagine the thought of having to offer your only son. And the scripture says in Genesis 22, 4 and 5, On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place from afar. 
Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come back to you again. Hear the depth of faith within Abraham. Abraham takes these young men with him and his son, and they're about to go over to this place where he's been told to offer his son. He says, hey, we're going to go over there, but we're coming right back. Here, you can hear the way in which Abraham thought about what God was doing. He thought to himself, I don't know how. I don't know how this is going to work out, but somehow God is going to fulfill his promise and I'll be back here worshiping with my son. I know God told me to sacrifice him, but there must be some way that God can do it. Now, understand, this is the place God is taking you to, but this may not be where you're at today. Where you're like, okay, here I am. You might not be in a here I am season of your life. You might be in a what do you want season of your life. (laughs) And and, um, understand that back in Genesis 15, the scripture says, Abraham is talking to God. He says, behold, you've given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. So understand that Abraham has not always been at this place. Abraham has been in a place of being confused and frustrated about what God was doing in his life. But God allows him to have a child. And he airs his frustration to the Lord. And then eventually... We see him at a place where at this very pinnacle moment where he's about to go sacrifice his son, he believes that somehow God is going to work it out. You know what the author of Hebrews says? The author of Hebrews says it this way. He says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son of whom it was said, through Isaac, your offspring will be named. So he's offering up his son. Verse 19, he, Abraham, considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. Wow, come on, come on. Now, how do you get to that place of faith? Where where the, the author of Hebrews says that Abraham was so connected to God's promises that he believed that even if I kill my son, he'll still meet his promise. So he walked through confusion and he says, somehow God will meet his promises. Now, I want you to notice what the author in Hebrew says, though. He says he, verse 19, he considered that God was able. Now, the word there considered in Greek is logizomai, which means to reckon. It almost means to count. If you say logizomai, it means that you are looking in your bank account, counting up the money to make sure that what you have is real. Not living in some fantasy land of what's in your budget, but actually counting what is exactly there. And when it says that he considered that God was able, he actually considered everything that God had done up until that point. And he says, well, God, I didn't know how I was going to have a baby when I was an old man. I didn't know how I was going to leave the land. So how did he get to the place of believing God's promises were so tremendous, he looked back at what God had done. 
And he then considered what God could do. And this idea of considering God being able is the primary means by which Abraham was being able to pass the test. Abraham, therefore, trusted the promises of God. He saw God in the midst of this situation. So it says in Genesis 22, 9, when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there, laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Now, I want to just give a little bit of a history lesson just for a second, because this is clearly child sacrifice. So let's not just be like, hmm, yes, amen. Like, this is, I want to, just want to step into the reality of this moment. He's about to kill his son. So, so historically, historically, you have that concept of the firstborn. So even in the Exodus, you see all the firstborn being killed. The firstborn was representative of your best, and it was also representative of your whole family. So the firstborn even when it came to animals, was something that you'd offer up to God. So on one realm, Abraham understood that God does take your firstborn. But then there was also in the pagan world, child sacrifice of your firstborn was a reality that was all around him. In fact, uh, uh, their God was one of the few gods that didn't offer up children. So, so in his mind, he sees it as an aspect of what has been happening all around him, and he has a theology connected to it. Now, the reason why that's important is because God has asked him to offer up his son in a worship sacrifice. If he wanted to just kill Isaac, he'd, he'd tell him, go stab him in the tent in the middle of the night and kill him. So this wasn't about killing Isaac. This was about offering up Isaac. Yes. He saw this in the context of worship, not the context of murder. Yeah. See, that, see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's why, that's why Abram's like, okay, I'm going to kill the kid. And then, but God's going to do something <laughs> with this, right? So I just want to put that in some kind of frame of reference. But there's also, there's also, and this is kind of a side note, there's also something amazing happening with Isaac. Y'all, Isaac is like 15 years old. If he, was, if he was strong enough to carry the wood, he's a fully grown kid. The text we skipped over is like, he, he lays down and Abraham, I mean, Abraham, Isaac's like, daddy? What's, what's really going on right now? I can't get my teens to eat vegetables, praise God. Much less lay down with a knife in my hand. But I do believe that Isaac saw this as some measure of obedience. It teaches you that children's faith must be caught, not taught. That somehow Abraham had embedded in his son, somehow God's going to work it out. Because him going up this hill and knowing that there's no lamb, he's like, and I'm laying on this wood. He knows something's going down. And somehow he trusted and I think that's an indication to us parents. We can teach all we want, but in some way, Amen. our children are going to catch our faith, yeah. not just see our faith. Yeah. Right. And then 
Then, then uh, Genesis 22 and 10, then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. Now, this is a good moment to just pause because these stories are incredible because we know the full story. You know, the book of Job is great because it gets his family back. It's horrible if he loses his whole family. This story is wonderful because he doesn't end up killing his son. But we should pause just for a second because he has the knife in his hand and he's about to slaughter his son, his only son, the son whom he loves. And therefore, what is this representative of us? What is God teaching us? This moment is horrific. And I just want to pause just for a second, and there is something horrific about faithfulness. There's something deeply fearful about faithfulness. Because this child that he's going to sacrifice is whom he loves, whom he deeply loves. The child who he gets status from. And though I don't believe that God is calling us to let go of children, I do believe that we must be ready to sacrifice some of our greatest affections for the sake of the kingdom. That there are plans and people that sometimes we have to say no to. Even people we felt like God gave us that we have to say no to. One of the greatest habits you can have is questioning if God is telling you to let go of something you've been holding on to. And if it brings you fear, it is often an indication of your deep affection. And sometimes there are things that are giving us greater affection than the Lord himself. Would you be able to let go of it? There are dreams. There are plans. There are desires. There's a vision you saw for your life. And sometimes you have to pause and just ask yourself, would I be able to let this go if God called me to? And oftentimes we say yes in theory, but in practicality. You see, the nature of the story is Abraham's got the knife out. He's up on the hill. He's ready to sacrifice whom he loves. And I just want to pause just for a second and just acknowledge Never let a dream, a plan, or a person ever get in the way of your affections for the Lord Jesus Christ. And be willing. Be willing to sacrifice. The dream so deeply embedded of who you thought you would be, but what if it's getting in the way of worship? Then be willing to sacrifice. And I don't know what it is. But for often, often I see people wanting deeply to love God, but there is this thing they thought they would be. And they can't let go of it. And so I just want to acknowledge this is a horrific moment. This is a scary moment. And you will be right up against some of your greatest fears in worshiping our Lord God. Here, Abraham is now surrendering his status, what he thought he would be. And the scripture says in verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. 
And look what he says. Here I am. I stand at attention, at surrender. I love that Abraham, when nothing was going on, he stood at attention for anything God would do. But then God is coming out in the brink in this very moment, and he stood at attention for whatever God wanted to do. I say here I am when God's coming through when I'm in darkness. But are you able to say here I am when things are going well? And God is able to take from you that which you've been holding on to. I just want you to notice he says here I am twice. Because he's prepared for God to send him wherever he would want him to go. There is a freedom you have when you will say, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go and do whatever you want me to do and say whatever you'd have me to say. I'll let go of whatever you want me to let go of and I will go. Here I am. So he says, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Verse 13, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And in verse 14, Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is to, to this very day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. The ram caught in that thicket, from what we can tell, was most likely unblemished. So he would replace his son with that ram. And he now offers that up. And if you notice, at the end of the story, he says... I'll name this place the Lord will provide. Notice that he does not name that place. That's where I was faithful. He named that place the Lord will provide. He did not see that as a personal milestone. He saw that as a fulfillment of God's promise. And part of our greatest problems is we think for me to climb up this mountain, I got to keep telling my, you know, and all this, sorry, I'm about to go on a rant, but all this like work hard on social media, hustle stuff, listen, it's good, some of it, but some of it is infecting your faith. Because yeah. you just think if I work hard, that's not the way it works. It's about trust. Yeah. And he made it up that mountain because he was, he kept telling himself, God is faithful. The Lord will provide. This was not about the obedience of Abraham. This was about the goodness and mercy of the Lord. And if you train your mind to understand the depth, the height, and the width of God, our Father, it will take you through all types of seasons, not resting in your ability, not resting even in your obedience, but in your ability to trust a God that is amazing and awesome. He names it the Lord will provide. Remembering God's provision deepens your affection and trust 
while preparing you for the next test. So you see, how did he get to the place where he thought God could somehow raise my son from the dead? Because he reckoned it. He considered it. Then why does he name this mountain? Because he wants to place this as a memory to remember God's provision for the deepest, darkest test. Because if he tested him after leaving the land and tested him after having a child, he's anticipating the next test and he's holding on to a great promise. Our greatest challenge is that we tend to see life through problems and pain. And yet, God has set up our lives to see promises and provision, to see the greatness of what he can do. Abraham had never seen anyone leave their land, but he saw God provide. Abraham had never seen someone 99 years old have a child, but God found a way. So when he got to the point of sacrifice, he says, I've never seen God raise somebody from the dead, but I believe he'll do it somehow. And it's amazing when you allow God's promises to ignite your imagination and the possibility of what God could do. And it's with that beautiful moment that God places Abraham to be tested greater and greater. It would be my desire to be tested, and then rest. I like that. Don't that sound good? Test, rest. Rest. (laughs) Test, rest. But God, for those of you that have decided, I want to make a tremendous impact for the kingdom of God, then I want you to know that it will be test after test after test. And he will get you to the place of an undeniable trust. The ability to not be shaken. And to be unmoved. And the depth of your faith that man cannot understand. But you, you'll see God in tremendous ways. And who knew how man was going to have their sins forgiven. But the scholars tell us that the land of Moriah, that mountain, that's the same area where Calvary was. And there was a son that climbed up that mountain. And when he climbed up that mountain, he placed himself on the wood. And when he placed himself on the wood, there was no angel to say no. But the son sacrificed He allowed himself to be sacrificed by his father. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Because he knew after this pain, there's a promise. There's a promise of joy. And we are connected to that promise. Because he knew if I endure this, it will open up a door for salvation for all the Holy Spirit in all. And so he is our picture of faith. Not Abraham, Jesus, who endured the cross for our sake. And tonight, this morning, 
Some of you are being in the middle of a deep test. And I want you to think about the promises of God. I want you to remember the beauty of God. Never let problems and pain define your life. Let promises and provision define your life. I refuse to let you be a cynical man, a cynical woman who sits back and says, my life has not been. No, your life has been great. Your life has been caught up in the promises of God. He has given you breath. He has given you life. Where are you right now? There's a promise coming. What test are you in? There's a promise coming. Anticipate the promise. Don't live in the frustration. Anticipate the promise. Anticipate the promises of God. His promises are true. The Bible says all the promises of God are yes and amen. And he is deepening your faith. And he is strengthening you. And though you doubt greatly, and though there will be horrific nights, joy comes in the morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the way that you change us and grow us. We ask you, Holy Spirit, that even now, even now, that you would teach us about the power of your promises. And day by day, teach us to trust. In Christ's name. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.